Thank you so much for listening to DNVR Biz. For the 95% of you that are listening to this through a mobile device, I would really appreciate it if you opened up that app right now and gave this a five-star review. It's the only way for this podcast to become more visible and reach more people. Thanks again. What is up, everybody? DNVR Biz. I'm Brandon Spano. Hanging out at the DNVR bar up in my office right now. We got stuff going on downstairs. We've got, we just got off with Christy Watson, my guest today. She's amazing. Really, really impressive. You're going to love what she brought to the table. We just recorded the Denver Sports Podcast. You probably might hear a little some voices in the background because of that. But, you know, I, I've been loving the live effect of recording here. Even when I'm listening, there's some stuff going on in the back. So, you know, I'm, I'm, interested to hear some feedback so far the feedback in the pod has been incredible and no one's had any problems or or issues with anything but i I like the live uh, this 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 kind of environment that i have here while i'm recording and hopefully you guys can kind of visualize that and uh, that makes it a little better let's talk about christy watson man she is really amazing she is like the luxury real estate specialist up in boulder she was voted best of boulder east multiple times like the last two or three years, uh, and that's a very affluent community up there. She has this really impressive strategy. She looks at it differently than anybody I've met. I mean, she doesn't handle a lot of deals, but she handles big ones, and she takes care of a couple big ones a month. She's got her big clients. She works on big deals, and she knows exactly what she's doing. She's super planned out, super prepared. And it's just really inspiring. It's a very different way than I do business as a as a media CEO, you know, where we're all about volume, volume, volume. We bring in hundreds of thousands of millions of people onto these, all of these different platforms and stuff where she picks out just a couple deals that she takes. And she even talks about in this podcast, not taking deals and telling people not to sell their house and stuff. So it's pretty fascinating. She's a top producer nationwide at Keller Williams and handles a, a really big you know, manages a, a very big dollar amount annually through them. And then she's a black belt as well. <laughs> so, so she's, she's really awesome. There was a lot of stuff we didn't even get into in the pod, like how she's this, she's a negotiation specialist. She's a certified negotiation expert. And she's just this like super equipped, you know, just, just this lethal real estate weapon uh, for lack of a better term, but, but really awesome person came up from started at just, you know, as hotel help at a Marriott, worked up as high as she could go there, uh, working in hotels and then went into HR and, you know, before she knew it, got into real estate, didn't necessarily like it actually in the first couple of years, wasn't succeeding, did a little bit of self-examination, came back and with a new attitude and new process and she's uh, killing the game. So super excited to have Christy Watson on. Uh, let's jump to the book. You know, what's crazy is uh, I'm, I'm still reading. I guess it's not crazy, but I'm still reading Mindset. And this book doesn't necessarily have a lot of quotes that I say, oh, wow, great quote, great quote. It's uh, it's essentially examples in philosophy. And today, you know, what I was reading was it, it was uh, essentially based around relationships and this idea that the fixed mindset versus first growth mindset people, because of the way that they judge themselves, they end up judging and treating other people differently. 
Uh, and it's really fascinating because a fixed mindset person who believes that people are the way that they were born and there's no progression, you're either smart or you're dumb, you're good at something or you're bad at something, they're very hard on themselves, especially when they're not good at something. And this is why, you know, at an adolescent age, we see things like bullying and and things like that, because if someone's bad at something, the fixed mindset person can get euphoric about that because it means that they're not as bad. And, you know, all of a sudden, subconsciously, they're not a failure. And that's kind of how that works. Whereas uh, if you're able to understand the growth mindset and you can put yourself into a growth mindset, you're not scared of failure and you don't judge yourself harshly because if you failed at something, you know that it's because it's not something that you've worked at very often. You're able to give yourself a pass there. And this actually works really well inside of relationships as well. You know, one example was these two different types of people that got together. And at first, the opposites attracted, but as they continued down the path, they started having issues because one person's strength was the other person's weakness and it, at a fixed mindset that's really hard to handle but at a growth mindset they were able to talk and kind of go back and forth and learn each other's strengths and weaknesses and get better at understanding and conceptualizing why the other person feels the way they do and it made for a successful relationship and this is obviously you can see how this can be leveraged into a, a business tip so this is a great book, uh, Mindset, Carol Dweck. I'm, I'm almost finished. Uh, sh should have just a couple more days on this one. We'll have a new book for you next week. Okay, let's go to the stock market. Uh, today's highlighted stock is EA, Electronic Arts. All you gamers know this one really well. This is the makers of Madden, who, of course, have the exclusive rights to create any NFL football game on any console. Kind of crazy. They, of course, make a lot of other sports games and a lot of other games across all genres and have a lot of other development departments. They're at 138.80. They had the COVID dip in March down to about $95, or down to about $85, rather. They're 138.80 right now, which is the highest they've been since their all-time high, which was July of 2018. They hit about 150, 148. So they're getting very close to their all-time high, and they're moving. These stocks are always interesting because you're talking about a category leader inside of a space that's growing. Video games is growing almost faster than, than you know any other space, particularly in entertainment, and it's obviously due to the pandemic. But you've already seen a higher roof than they have right now. And you know that it's not unrealistic to deliver you a big return, even if you were to come in right now, which, you know, a lot of times I think when you see record high, you say, oh, that means I'm late. Well, you know, 138.80 right now, uh, this is a, a company that's performed higher over the last 24 months. So, you know, all of a sudden EA's looking really well. Let's go to Bitcoin, 92.47.52. Boy, back to the 92s. Not much has changed with Bitcoin. So let's jump to the interview with Christy Watson. Pull up in motor case. I got a show today. It's all I'm trying to do. Hustle and motivate. Choppers are throw away. Hustle the overweight. That's why Hey, Christy, me. thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, you, you're doing some exciting stuff up there. 
this will be the first real estate professional that I've had on. And I love the space. Uh, it's not something I've gotten into. I'm so digital that I need to get into some more of this uh, brick and mortar investment and in, in, in some of this, some of this, some of this, this the old money, right? <laughs> I know but, someone who can help you with that. <laughs> but let's talk about luxury real quick, because that's really interesting to me. You're a certified luxury home specialist, and I know you founded Hearth and Stone, which is a luxury real estate brokerage tour up mm -hmm. in Boulder as well. So not only are you kind of on the front end of this helping consumers on the luxury side of real estate, but you're on the back end as well, creating more leverage for other real estate agents. So can you talk to us about the luxury space and, and how that's different than average real estate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're dealing with a luxury clientele, you need a different set of tools in your toolbox, right? So any business you have, you can you can go and, and have a McDonald's burger, or you can go and have a $100 burger, and it's going to be a very different experience, and you're going to expect different ingredients and a different experience in each of those. So if I'm selling a, a luxury home, I expect that agent to have access to tools that maybe a traditional what we call traditional home sale wouldn't necessarily experience. So a good example would be the international MLS, right? So if I have a luxury home and a luxury price point, I'm going to put that house into the international MLS, which goes out to 700 different countries, 65 different languages, 14 different currencies, China, all over Europe, right? And I'm not necessarily gonna do that for a $250,000 condo in Boulder, but I would do it for a three and a half million dollar estate. And so that's just one of the ways that we can make sure that we are providing value to um, someone in the luxury price point. Yeah. So when it actually comes to the sale, is that timeline the same? Is it longer in luxury? Is the funnel smaller in luxury since the sales are bigger? What's that look like? Well, it depends. Pre post COVID, um, you know, I've I've had yeah video. yeah yeah yeah. The, we'll we'll make this assumption pre COVID. <laughs> yeah, the current world versus the uh, the world we're in now. So I mean, even since COVID, though, I mean, we've had you know bidding wars at you know over a million and a half, where they have five or six offers in the first weekend on a house. Wow. So, wow. Yes, the 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 luxury price point does tend to tend to sit on the market a little bit longer. Usually, purchases at the luxury price point it doesn't really matter what they're buying is at their discretion. It's because they want it, not because they need it. And so the luxury buyer is going to take their time in a different way than somebody who needs to find a house, somebody who's relocating, they need to get the kids in school, somebody who's going through those same set of circumstances at the luxury price point, they have more means to perhaps rent back where they are, they, they just have more options. And quite frankly, not as many people, you know, walking around with three and a half million dollars of credibility for a bank to get a loan and or cash at you know, a three and a half million dollar price point over a, you know, $350,000 condo. So this sure. is less. How much of, of this luxury purchasing is based on people living a luxury lifestyle versus it being an investment tool? And then if you could just back that question on to the topic of real estate as an investment tool. Just because people have the ability to buy a three and a half million dollar house doesn't mean that they're always going to. I have plenty of clients who have taken the option to stay in uh, an $800,000 house and then buy five or six investment homes instead when they easily could have purchased a luxury home several times over. 
for some people, it is the lifestyle, right? They don't want to be, they don't want to hear the garbage trucks rolling down the road. They want to be a little bit further out from everybody. They want to have an acre, you know, which feels like a country estate, you know, to, to a lot of us. If you have an acre around here, that, that can be a lot. So that in and of itself is a lifestyle. And of course, you know, around here, real estate's appreciating year over year. And so when you take a, a larger asset that appreciates over, you know, if you take a $2 million asset that's appreciating over five years versus a 200,000, you're, you're much happier these days if you were the person who had 2 million to invest in real estate because it's, it's grown so much over the last handful of years here. You know, as far as your opinion here, and, and, and I know there's going to be some bias here, but, but that's fine because, you know, I want to learn more about it. How do you feel, you know, comparably speaking, uh, real estate stacks up with other tools and, and opportunities to invest? Of course, I'm, a, I'm biased, right? It, it's, um, <laughs> I was weird and I bought my first house when I was 19. Okay. You know, someone told me there's this great thing called 401k. You should participate. I was like, great, sign me up. And then I went to go sign up. They said, no, you can't do that. You're not 21 yet. What do you mean I can't do that yet? All these people over here are getting rich. I want to get rich. So I found a way to do something with my meager extra penny paycheck. You know, at the end of, of each paycheck, I had a chart and I- Where I, were you working at the time? At that time, I was working for, I was a, a young manager at the Marriott Hotels in Seattle. Okay. For seven years and they don't pay much. Oh, right? those were a grind. The ho- to running work hotels back in the day. Yeah, the, I had friends doing that. Yeah, those were a grind. It's, it's tough. You do back-to-back 14-hour shifts. Yeah. You know, you're <laughs> two in the morning, you're back at seven, and you're smiling. <laughs> you're at the front desk just smiling. Doesn't matter if it's Christmas Eve. You're still uh, smiling. <laughs> oh, man. She loves working Thanksgivings. Look at her. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, you know, but it was a great training grind. It was such a great fundamental way to ground myself in business. I had no idea at the time the value of the training I was getting there, but during that whole open enrollment and they said, you know, why don't you sign up for the 401k? And I was a, a supervisor at the time and I guess it didn't occur to them. I shouldn't be able to, I wasn't 21. I didn't, they would, what do you mean you can't invest? I'm like, I'm only 19. They, how are you only 19? I'm like, how do you not know that? <laughs> so I, I couldn't do the 401k. So I bought a house. I squirreled away my pennies, bought a house. So I, I, I knew over time, that was a great way to go. I did the 401k eventually once they, they let me in and let me do that too. But, you know, interest rates right now are the lowest they've been since 1971. So if you're going to leverage money that you have to invest and with an appreciation that few other assets have, you know, for me, you know, Gallup is saying that Americans pick real estate as the best long-term investment over, you know, stocks by 26%, but 34% of Americans pick real estate over any other investment tool. One, it's very practical, right? You got to, you have to live somewhere and rent keeps going up and people, you know, there are a few things that are more annoying in life when you've got a, a you know, you've got your nice $1,200 a month rent payment and then it's 1350 then it's, you know, 1575 and every year it's going up, up, up. I mean, when's the last time somebody heard about a landlord reducing their rent? Like, no. Right, right, right. It doesn't happen. Yeah. No. So, I mean, you know, when you think about right now, if you buy a $400,000 house, you can have a 16, right now with rates today, you can have a $1,600 a month mortgage, which is probably pretty competitive, if not lower than most people are paying for rent right now. So you have to add insurance and maybe an HOA cash reserves for some, you know, 
for some maintenance and roof. And, you know, if the furnace goes out, maybe it's a good idea for me to have a little cash in the bank, but um, you know, so call it two grand a month, right? So two grand a month, you can have a $400,000 house that probably gets you at least three or four bedrooms. If you can rent a couple of those out, you're golden. Your rent's not going up ever. Yeah. So I would love to talk about just kind of how you've differentiated yourself in real estate. Uh, you know, the first thing that sticks out to me is just you look at it differently. You immediately are jumping in and, and want to swim with really big fish in there. So I guess maybe just walk us through what made you look at it that way and then how you look at this procedurally. Like what kind of processes have you set up so you can create some success inside of your own space? My background after I left hotels, I switched over to human resources as one part of running a hotel that, you know, out of operations, accounting, security, everything. I just really enjoyed the HR piece. From HR, I figured out that it was the dialing in of the processes and the customer experience is really what I enjoyed most about the hotel was perfecting and anticipating the client experience. And it's, it's become kind of a token phrase at this point, you know, the experience. But when you really dial in, the, there is a systematic approach to every single business. So if you own a business, if you take it from the, the first point when somebody comes into consideration of a contact with your company, what does that look like? Write it down. And for example, in real estate, I did that from the, if someone's going to buy a house and if someone's going to sell a house and I had two different lists, each one of them has almost 200 steps for each one of those clients from the time they think, Hmm, I'm kind of annoyed at being a renter. What do I do next? I open Zillow, I open Redfin. What do I do after that? I do this, I do that. Maybe I talk to some friends all the way through the time that they contact me they contact anyone on my team, you're making sure, you know, for example, we're going through an inspection and it's my, I, I often joke that the inspection when you're buying a house is a little bit like a roller coaster. That's, that's, you know, buying a house feels like a roller coaster and it can be a fun ride and it should be fun. It, that should be really exciting that you're not going to have a rent payment that's never going up anymore, but it's my job to prepare my clients because I know each one of those 200 steps. I know they're coming. I'm in this all day long. My client maybe did this never in their life before, or maybe they did it three years ago, but it's different now than it was three years ago. So it's my job to prepare them and not give them all 200 steps at one time, because that's like drinking out of a fire hose, right? Just like this, these are the next five steps we're going through. So inspection, you're going to feel like you're coming off the biggest high because you got the contract and nobody else got this house. You got it. You've got the piece of paper in your hand that says the seller is going to give you the house. And, and now you, your heart sinks because you've got this inspector walking around making notes on every wiggly doorknob in a house and you start to panic. And now the ride doesn't seem so fun and you start to freak out. So it's my job to make sure before they walk in, that's what's going to happen. And when I walk in, I'm like, you're not freaking out on me right now. Because remember, remember the roller coaster? Like, no, that's right. You remember you told me. And I, I do kind of feel like that. And I'm kind of exhausted right now, but I'm excited. And, and just kind of walking people through major and minor steps, little bit by little bit. And it, you, can do it, you, you can do it through email, you can do it through text, you can do it through infographics. There's a variety of ways so you're not oversaturating them with one form of communication. But for me, I think it's really important if you're a business owner, I don't care if you're making cupcakes, to take it step by step to see where, if you have any big gaps, it's gonna be really evident where those are. And then also you should be able to find some opportunities where you can really surprise people and, you know, have them have pleasant surprises along the way. Like, you know, business, you know, I, I 
financial tr transactions, no one likes surprises at all. Like no one wants a surprise with their money and no one likes a surprise in business. I get both. Unless they're good surprises, right? So, yeah, I was wondering, uh, I always notice in real estate, there seems to be a lot of gift giving. I know my friend bought a bought a house in Five Points with a downtown view and uh, amazing rooftop view, I should say, of downtown. And his agent got him a, a full deck set up for their, for their rooftop. Mm -hmm. So if someone buys a $5 million house, does the gift get, do the gifts get bigger? <laughs> might get a little bigger. Sounds like you've given some gifts out in your time. <laughs> I, so it is. Uh, so this is one of my favorite books is the five love languages. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or read of it. That's going to be at the very end. You have to share your favorite book. So maybe, maybe this okay. wouldn't have been. I have, it, I have so a so. different one. That's okay. Not okay. Good, 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 good. The uh, five love languages. Got yes. it. So my love language is gift giving. Every okay. single one of my clients knows that. But I also know what their, their love language is, right? I know who are words of affirmation, which is not my thing. And I'm not tremendously, I come from a family who we just kind of grunt at each other when we do a good job. Right? We, we don't, we're just not good at words of affirmation. But I know some of my clients are just really good at that. And they don't want my stuff. And I, they've even said, like, thank you so much. You're so sweet. I really don't need your stuff. Like, I don't want the, the bottle of wine. I just, you know, and I know that what they're really asking for is they want the accolades. But I do give a lot of gifts to the point where my accountant's like, really? <laughs> it's like, it's what I do. It's one of the reasons I enjoy my job. I love the, the solving the puzzle of what is going to be the perfect gift for this perfect client that they're going to appreciate that would be different than what Brandon Spano would like, which is different than the 10 other clients before them. But it's not the only way to surprise. That's not a surprise. That's an expected, it is be the closing gift, if you will, has become an expected moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking yeah. about in those 200 steps, it's a challenge for every business owner to find other moments when you're surprising them. Mm. I love that. That's great. That's really great. Let's kind of keep going down this path. That's a unique thing that you're adding there. You know, when we chatted a little earlier, you had kind of talked about how you actually didn't find a bunch of success early on in real estate. It's not like you walked in and boom, here you are, top producer and, you know, agent of the year. So you essentially burn yourself out first couple of years, waste a bunch of money trying to kind of be what you thought a real estate agent was going to be. And uh, you talked to me about kind of finding the two to five things that, that you were really good at and then perfecting those, you kind of doubled down on yourself. Can you just walk us through that 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 time in your life and and then how you did that in, in your belief system around being yourself? Sure. I think, you know, anyone who likes HGTV and has bought a house or thought about buying a house thought, I can do that. I can open a front door and say, here's the kitchen, right? There's so many people that think being an agent is just that. They don't realize that it's, it's, it's interpreting complex contracts and helping people through these major, major transitions in their life. Luckily, I had the foresight to give myself a, a small business loan to like seed funding, if you will, for this business. I think a lot of people that start as a new agent don't realize how expensive it is. It can be just 50 to 60 grand to carry a license because mm. with an agency, you've got to pay them some split. You have taxes, you have MLS dues, you have more than what, like in Boulder, I'm in two MLSs. I've got a third up in the mountains. I'm not even talking business cards and stationery. You have a lot of other carrying costs. You know, you might be a super rock star and have a couple houses your, you know, first handful of months that help keep you afloat. But 
there's a lot of agents who it takes them a while. It's, it's when you get your, your license for residential real estate, it's, it's just a competency test. It doesn't tell you how to actually sell houses. And so I've always been this way with every career I've ever had is that I require myself to have a high degree of proficiency before I think I can take anyone else on that journey with me. So I spent the first year really just being a student and learning the business. I grew up in the business. My dad did fix, fix and flips in the 70s and 80s, and he still does. He's a real estate agent as well. So I grew up in the business. It wasn't like I, I was unfamiliar with how to go about it. But in that first year, when I was learning, learned from other agents, all the things they did that they would be successful in doing. And I tried to do all the things and try a little bit right. of this that and I was exhausted I didn't have the level of business that I thought would actually indicate to me I should continue doing that as a professional I was like maybe I'm just not good at real estate I don't have to be good at everything you know I'm not good at taxes I don't I'm not an accountant maybe I'm just I'm not good at real wow. estate. yeah yeah that's fascinating yeah there's a lot of self-doubt I think as a small business owner in your first year right you don't realize it's not just the thing that you fell in love with like it's not you know sports casting it's not baking cupcakes it's not houses right I, I'm in real estate because I like how I like houses and like people but it is a service business. Sure, um, sure. What I'm doing is not, it's not about the house at all. It is about the people. 99.9% .9 is about the people. So for me, I, I, I kind of, I, I was exhausted and I was like, you know what? I need to pick like two things. I, I literally don't have time. I have three kids, a husband who travels 100,000 miles a year and a dog who's neglected. Who's neglected? Like the dog is <laughs> I gotta balance this out a little bit. So... I was like, you know what? Throwing parties sounds fun. I like people. I'm good at throwing parties. You know, hotel management background. My parties are pretty epic. And it was a way for me to build our sphere here in Colorado. We came from Seattle. I knew no one when we moved here. My you know, three kids and my husband. And a year later, our Halloween party had 150 people at it. Within that, my sphere started growing. And I started just gaining credibility in my profession, sharing the information I had. And doing a lot of networking and one-on-one -on -one people development. It wasn't calling people who had listings that they were trying to sell the house on their own. And I'm not a dialing for dollars agent. A lot of people do that. They do very, very well. They'll sell hundreds of houses calling what we call FISBOs or for sale by owners, expireds. I can do it. I can convert them. It's just not my thing. It, sure. it felt like a job. And then again, why do it? I'll just go get a job. I don't want to do what I don't want to do. It's my business. Yeah, you said a quote to me that was that I, that I really like, and it goes kind of with the. I mean, literally, the last two or three guests in a row have all talked about being yourself, and mm -hmm. and and I even said a couple episodes ago, nobody can be a better you than you. But you said, uh, "Be yourself; everyone else is taken." Mm -hmm. Can you just maybe just elaborate on that a little bit, and then we'll kind of move on. You know, I've seen this on more plaques and stickers and gift shops. And so I think it's Oscar Wilde. I'm not entirely sure. For all I know, it's someone even more wise and famous than, than him. But it's, you know, it's, it's essentially coming back to, I can't, in that first year, I was trying to be like every other agent. And I, I didn't really, I, I learned that even though I could have a business plan, I could figure, I thought, you know, I was going to do a ton of, of human resources relocations because I have this human resource background. I know what HR managers need. I know that, I know that there's an avenue in there, 
But when my business started talking to me, that wasn't where my business was coming from. My business is coming from referrals from past clients. I'm, I'm 95 to 98% referral. I'm past and repeat referral business. That's where my business comes from. And a lot of the activities that I had been trying were supporting not that. They were supporting people not knowing me and not the relationships. And for me, the reason I'm in this is not the house. It's the relationship and serving people. And so by being myself, you know, can I deal with investments? Yes, absolutely. Am I going to be the person who, if you want to invest in a hundred houses and you want me to just throw contracts around all day, that's probably, I'm not your agent. I'm just not. And, and knowing it's okay to say no, right? It's it kind of scary when you're a small business owner to say no to business, but it, it's very freeing when you realize, you know what, there's, there's, I don't need to be everything to everybody. And with referrals for me, those are the best people because they, they get me, they get my quirky sense of humor. They get the, the fact that I talk with my hands and I talk too loud and, but they know that I'm going to be on time. I hate being late. They know I'm going to be prepared and they they pass that on and that expectation onto other people. And so by the time they come to me, we already feel like we know each other and it just all becomes this, this machine that, that works very smoothly. And if you can create that situation in your business where it's easy, better than fighting your own business, right? So um, I've just learned to be unapologetic about, I'm a mom, I have three kids, I've got a dog. So if I put you in my car, I'm going to clean it. I'm going to clean it out. But there's sometimes going to be nose prints I miss. It happened last week and I was showing $2 million houses and they, you know, we're like, you know, you can't get in my car. We have COVID, the whole thing. But, you know, we're standing outside my car and they look, they're like, you have a dog. I'm like, I do have a dog. <laughs> but, you know, in my first year, I would have been mortified, just mortified. Now I'm like, you know what, if they're going to judge me because my, you know, everything's not perfect, we're probably not the right people for each other. And that's okay. Yeah, I love that. Because, you know, we, we talk about that. We have a very specific consumer and a very specific audience. And people think that we don't actually people think that because we're a sports network, that it's just anybody who's a fan, but it's actually not. It's, you know, people that sleep, breathe, live, you know, eat, their teams and, and their sports and they want to be around that culture all day every day it's too much for the casual fan and you know so this is for the people that wanted this not only to wear it and to read it and to listen to it but be able to go to the bar that is yep. it as well you know and so it's it's all encompassing and it's okay if if people aren't aren't that into it or they're not our customer it's totally fine and i i think you have to be comfortable with that so that's a great realization you know, it's funny, I actually, in one of me being me, I was out having breakfast and it was kind of a networking thing, but it was mostly just some people having breakfast, right? It's like people go golf and that the business happens when you go golfing or to the tennis club, right? And so we were having breakfast and I happened, it was a, I was wearing my abs jersey and some, at the very end of the breakfast, somebody said, you know, so does anyone know anyone that can help me with some real estate stuff? And everyone turns and looks at me. I'm like, yeah, so I'm a real estate agent, obviously, you know, wearing my hockey jersey on a random Wednesday morning, whatever. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I say I'm not all things to all people. I do I do have a fair number of Blackhawks fans, and I still will sell houses Yikes. to them. But we, we, we know where, where we all stand on, on, on things. That's okay. You do charge them a little bit of an extra fee for being Blackhawks fans, right? 
I actually I have a, a ton of, of Chicago taxes are so high. And so I've got a ton of clients in Chicago. So that, you know, the Red Wings are also, we, we've got a fair, fair, fair number of Oh, 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 don't, fans don't even start Red Wings. Cause I, yeah, this won't, this won't be family friendly if I, if we are talking Red Wings. Okay. So let's talk. One of the things that I wanted to talk about is when to say no, which is an interesting one. It's definitely one that I still don't know if I've, I have mastered because I, Maybe now, because you know our deal flow, for lack of a better word, is is enhanced as we've grown. But for the most part, you know, I mean, I was a I'm a I'm a walking yes everywhere I went. It's gotten me into some problems. But but let's talk about when to say no, especially when you when you're trying to leverage a lot of big deals. So you can't necessarily just take on everything all the time because that hurts your style of doing business, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, for a good example of that is I have an opportunity. Somebody introduces me to somebody who wants to sell their house for, I don't know, 1.5 million. I know it doesn't have a hope of selling for anything less than 1.2. So now we need to have an awkward conversation or what could potentially feel like an awkward conversation. But I, I really believe my job has, I had to have a mental shift between telling somebody no and just educating them on what I know, that I am in these numbers all day long. And what's going to happen if they over they, they list their house and it's overpriced, it's going to sit on the market and I can walk them through the numbers of how it's actually going to cost them money. They're going to be frustrated. There are going to be certain things that every home seller optimizes for. Usually it's money. Money's usually at the top of it. But sometimes it's also, sometimes they've got to sell it fast because they've got to get to wherever they're going, get the kids in school. So we need to talk about timing, um, stresses. If they've got five dogs and three kids, you having three showings a day is probably not going to make you super happy. So it's, it's my job to gently tell them, no, you shouldn't do that. But it's, you know, it's also, I think, as you, as you find success in, in running your business, you will be presented with opportunities. So, you know, starting the Hearth and Stone Luxury Broker Tour, it was actually another agent in my office came to me and said, you know, would you like to start this with me? And I was, you know, said, well, I'm not going to make any major decisions. I always think about everything for 24 hours. Even if in my head, I'm like, yes, absolutely. I, I will wait 24 hours before I tell you yes or no. That's uh, such an investment thing too. And that actually really pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I think. Well, I mean, it's 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 the right way to go. Absolutely, it's absolutely the right way to go. You're so you're you're not wrong. Well, when you're, it depends on if you're. Yeah, if you're, if I'm, if I'm calling sponsors for my luxury home tour, I want them to say yes, absolutely. I'll support yeah. you no matter what. <laughs> right, absolutely. Right, right, right. I'm all about the yes right now. But I think when it comes to if you are a solopreneur, right, and managing your time, your time is your most valuable asset. When you really look at how much money you make on an hourly basis and, and what you say yes to, you only have so many hours in the day. And those are hours that you're taking away from your, your family, your kids, your loved ones, your neglected dog. I keep talking about him. Apparently, I have some guilt over the dog. <laughs> I'll, I'll bill you for the canceling later. Yeah, right. So I think, you know, it, it, is, it is important to give due consideration to the bigger opportunities that are presented to you. And I've learned I'm a big goal setter. I've got pages and pages of goals. And I, I used to have them in pen. And it would, I would be so down on myself if I didn't nail 
and, and overachieve every single goal by the date that I put down. Cause I have smart goals, so they all have dates on them. Right. And so if I, if I didn't nail them before the deadline I gave myself, I was really hard on myself. And I think the difference between working for other people and, and running your own business is you're spending so many more plates and you have to know when it's okay to let some go and, and which ones, you know, it's the whole glass ball, rubber ball in knowing which ones you can drop and which ones you can't, you know, does this seem like a good opportunity to me? All right. I'm super excited. You know, do I need to ask myself, does this excite me? Do I actually get excited when I think about doing this thing? No, well, maybe, you know, maybe I feel obliged. Maybe I shouldn't do it. My heart's not going to be in it. And then that person ultimately is going to be really frustrated with me because my heart's not in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's such a great point. I, I, I want to kind of double down and, and take just a step back to your goal setting, because I know you're pretty fanatical about that. Walk us through that, that process and, and how you do that and why you do that. <laughs> so back in my Marriott days, they put me in charge of TQM. Remember that? Total quality management. <laughs> <laughs> Old school. Flow charts everywhere, man. It was, uh, I'm sure everybody loved that. I was 19 years old, running around training the whole hotel on how to flow chart a menu creation. But it, it's stuck in me now. It's part of my DNA. I can't not flow chart pretty much everything. It's where the systems come, right? I need to dive deep into everything. But when I, when I, I found over the years, it's very helpful to me to set every day. I do it January. Some people do it not in January because I say, you know, just because somebody created a calendar, it starts in January. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. It's just a habit. It makes me happy. I've even uh, started doing a, a retreat with a handful of small business owners. We go out of town to a beach and we business plan for the whole year. So, you know, it's, it's a nice opportunity to, to reset mentally. I get away for two, three days and I say, okay, so what do I want to do? Where do I want to be in 20 years? In 20 years, I'm going to be blank years old. I'm not going to fill that number in. In 20 years, my husband's going to be this old. My kids will be this old. That's usually the thing when it freaks me. I just want to put my kids' ages in there. Like, wow, like my kids are going to be having kids then. That is crazy, right? And so in 20 years, do I want to be doing what I'm doing right now? Or do I want to have... You know, five investment properties. Okay, if I want to have five investment properties, now I need to back it down to 10 years, five years, one year goals. So at 10 years, do I maybe want to have three investment properties? In five years, do I want to have two investment properties? So next year, I need to buy one investment property. Okay, so month, now I'm breaking it down month by month. I've, I've learned over time, I need to I separate out my personal goals and my business goals. I have two different lists that I look at at different times. You know, for the personal, um, I look at, you know, my, my physical, spiritual relationships, marriage, community. My community involvement is really important. I'm on the advisory board for Precious Child. So I, I spend a good amount of time with we did a did We did a big donation campaign for them in 2019, 2018. Well, thank you for doing that. Yeah, it was great. That, that's an amazing foundation. It really is. We had a blast with that. Karina has built in, in the 10 plus years, I guess we're going on 11 now, that, that she has built from her garage to serving over 40,000 families and kids every year. I make time for it. it. It is part of my goals every year to help them. And I overlap and I involve my kids, right? So they don't have to be these individual buckets because goals could very quickly turn into a to-do list. And that's, that's, it's not what they're supposed to be, right? They're supposed to be these guide po posts to help you achieving your big dreams, your 20 years from now dreams. And 
you know, I, I look at them in July, I'll look at them again, you know, usually just kind of revisit and see how it's sitting. That's where the eraser and, and the pen comes from. So in July, I take out my eraser and, and my pencil and I'm like, okay, what things need to go? What things sounded great, but for this year right now, they aren't serving me or they aren't serving my family or my clients and we just let it go. Like when I set my goals in January, no idea the year that we were getting ready to walk into, right? I mean, who, who could have imagined this year? And so there was, there was a lot of eraser and a lot of pencil for my goals this year. The numbers are still the same because I just can't not adjust my, my business goal number. It, it will get there one way. I'm actually, by the end of this month, I'll hit my annual goal. So it's, there are ways to go about it. Sometimes you just, it requires that mental flexibility and the ability to pivot and, and just be kind of dynamic in, in setting your goals because you never know what's going to come at you. Okay, so let's go to the uh, quick round here. Uh, you know what? Actually, I got one more question for you. Then we're gonna then we're gonna go to the we'll go to the speed here. Final three. Let's talk about mentors because I know that that's something that is important to you, and we haven't gotten to that yet. Finding mentors, having mentors. I know that I just ended up. I don't think I was have ever been searching for mentors. I just ended up with like a, a roster full of mentors. But I agree, it's it's super important. Uh, open up about that a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, I talked a lot about Marriott for whatever reason today, but if I could, you know, go back to, that was my first office job, if you will. I was 17 when I started working in the hotel in the sales and catering department. I had two managers. One was a sales manager, was a catering manager, and they really took me under my under their wing. Once a month, we went out to lunch. I felt super fancy because I could not afford to eat in that hotel's restaurant at all. So I was super excited that I got a fancy hotel dinner once a month at least. And knowing that somebody cared enough to, to develop me from a high school graduate into a business person and mentor me and take the time, and they knew I wasn't perfect in the in you know, they, they, if I failed in something, it wasn't that I failed in something, it was just an opportunity to learn. And it was such a giving of grace because I didn't like screwing anything up. And I, 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 in my mind, it's that imposter syndrome, right? We all think that we need to exude you're perfect at everything. Sure. Your mentors know you're not perfect and they're, they want to work with you to get to that next place. And over the years, I, I realized, like you said, the accidental mentors, the people that you can learn from, and then, you know, kind of coming full circle to that is just mentoring other people. Sometimes you can seek that opportunity out. Sometimes you get paid for it. Sometimes you can be a coach. I personally, I, I like being a little bit more, you know, free and organic about it. Just whenever, if somebody needs help, I'm here. I'm pretty much an open book. And I know that there's been so many people that have given me an hour here, two hours there. And, and those are people that, you know, and it could be somebody who's in my business and it's at a higher level, like a higher station than me. But there's also people, let's say, that are in my tribe, right? Other small business owners um, that I, I need them as a sounding board. So we kind of mentor each other in our own ways because they know things I'll never know or I don't know yet and vice versa. But, I, you know, I think learning, you know, books, podcasts, webinars, we, we have such an amazing access to technology right now in, in our world that your mentors can come from almost anywhere, right? I can say I'm being mentored by Tony Robbins. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. So we have three questions here before we get you out of here. First one, most important book to you. So I already mentioned the five love languages, so I'll pick that one. I, I would 
And it's hard because I, I don't read as much as some other people, but I probably read, I don't know, 50-ish books a year. So the question's hard. <laughs> it's hard to pick a favorite. But I would say uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's, oh, yeah. it's a great one. That's, that's, that's an amazing book. I mean, it's a classic. Yeah, it's classic. It's not complicated. It's kind of got an old, older language at this point. It yeah. feels a little older language, but the fundament, it is a business fundamentals book. I yeah, that's, 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 that's a great, I mean, I think uh, that's probably the first book that I read in my transformation, which is, you know, years ago. But when I first started saying like, okay, hey, I want to, I want to, I want to be some, somebody different. That book kind of set the, built the road for me. So I agree. Love that book. Let's talk about uh, most underrated athlete of all time. Hmm. Well, Someone else stole my my actual so uh, Hoyt, who is the the father who pushes his son um, you know around the triathlons. But I would say every stunt man and woman ever, you know Chuck Norris, obviously with a martial arts background. I'm a fan, but he's not. Oh one. yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So I I can't believe we didn't talk about that. Just for everybody that's listening, Christy's a black belt and she has mastered so many different forms of fighting actually that I just stopped writing the list down. <laughs> so, so, so that's actually great. Yeah. Yeah. So of course it would be, it would be, and that is, you're right. That's a super underrated space when it comes to athleticism. Cause you wouldn't even like you, you talk about like Bruce Lee, like if I said greatest athlete of all time in the top 50, no one would say Bruce Lee, but he's absolutely an athlete. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just the things that he could do and the speed and the quickness, agility, his power. Yeah. You know, Chuck Norris, you know, it, and every, every stuntman and woman ever. I mean, when I look at fight scenes now, I, it drives my husband crazy. I'm like, back that up, back that up. I want to, I want to see that again. How'd they do that? And, you know, so, so these movies take a while for me to get through now. <laughs> I'm analyzing them like sports replay. Let's, ju uh, let's just uh, take this off the rails one more time. Uh, how in that world did you get into mixed martial arts and like what made you want to kick some ass so bad? <laughs> uh, I think having three kids in under four years, <laughs> I needed to go punch and scream. You did, this, you did this post-children? Yeah, I walked into uh, the martial arts studio when I was 38. Oh my God! Well, I, well, I, you look about you look about 38 now. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I felt very awkward. Talk about getting out of your comfort zone. I walked in and I think I even tried to walk through right in the middle of the dojo with my shoes on. I didn't even know you weren't supposed to do. I mean, I knew nothing, and it was I just needed something for me. It was you know right after New Year's, people were doing New Year's resolutions. I'm like, it's been like. As goal setting as I am, I didn't have a New Year's resolution. I just wanted a thing. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I, I couldn't afford sports growing up. We were super broke. And there used to be a Chuck Norris studio near our house. And uh, he had this big sticker on the side of the window. I was doing this amazing flying sidekick. And I just thought it was fascinating. But it was, it was, it was like walking past Tiffany Jewelers. Right? It was just something I could never have. It was just this, Thing that other people got to do and fast forward you know 30 years later and I needed a thing for me and you know being a mom of three kids that young apparently and come to find out kicking and, and yelling and punching is very cathartic when you can just get it out so I, I learned pretty fast <laughs> 
Amazing. The last one is going to be the space or the business that you're most excited about in the near future. So this one, I would say the different ways that we're getting to use video. And so an example that I have found some success recently is something called BombBomb. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. A good friend of mine, actually, who's also a, a real estate, a big real estate mogul out here. He actually has sworn by that service for a long time. Yeah. And I don't use it, you know, to the nth degree that it's probably intended to be used, but I found there are certain ways that I have when there's certain introductions, maybe it's less of a warm introduction and that person needs to get to know me a little bit more. And it's not just words on a text and it's not words on an email. But if I can send them a 30 second small little video clip, they can see my face, they can see me waving with my hand. I just become a little bit more human. And I think the ways that we can find these small little micro moments to use video and not in the obvious ways. Yes, YouTube is amazing and fantastic. I don't go out of my way to build a YouTube channel. I think I've got like two things on there. It drives my admin crazy. She wants me to have like a hundred things in there. But I think we as a society, we're finding new and creative ways to use video to serve our needs. So I think I'll go with video. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Why don't you let everybody know kind of where they're at, where you're at and, and, and where they can find you if they're looking to make a big, uh, big play in real estate. Sure. So just like uh, my phone number and email. Sure. Sure. Or your, or your email. Yeah. Maybe not your phone number, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Your email or however you prefer to be contacted. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at this point, it's at my website. It's Christy Watson Homes. So it's okay. C-R-I-S-T-Y WatsonHomes.com. Cool. I'm up in the Boulder area primarily, but I do serve a lot of clients in the Denver area. I've got a listing coming up in Inglewood and, you know, all over the kind of Denver North metro area. And I'm with Keller Williams. Awesome. Very awesome. Well, Thank you so much, Christy. You know, so impressive what you've been able to accomplish. And uh, it was amazing talking with you. And, you know, we'll have to do it again. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Brandon. I ain't really trip on the credit. I just paid all of my dues. I just respected the game. Got my name all in the news. Tripping on all of my moves. Quote me on this, got a lot more.